Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you on, man. This is, uh, is going to be so much fun. Yeah, good to see you, man. Been a while. Hey, everybody, it's Literally, and it is me, Rob Lowe. I'm geeking out, man. I get to talk. A lot of everybody's talk about people being the GOAT. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tiger Woods, the GOAT. They're GOATs. They're GOATs, but they're not the GOAT. Today, we have the GOAT. Kelly Slater, the greatest surfer who ever lived, 11-time world champ, Youngest world champ and then oldest world champ. No one has dominated a sport in any sport individually ever in history than Kelly in surfing. Um, maybe he can teach me to be a better surfer. Let's find out. I think I haven't seen you uh, since the Book of Mormon. Didn't I see you there at, at 2011? I know, man. We were we were early to the Book of Mormon. You're, you're like the last person I expected to see at a Broadway show. At Book of Mormon I was like, yeah, we should. I, how do we've never met in the water? We meet in, at Broadway. Just goes to tell you. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I'm using a fake backdrop, and in your honor, I like that. It looks a little blown out though behind me. I think a little bit. If you don't move, I can't really tell. That's right. But when I move, you see yeah. it's really yeah. You see like that digital thing around your hair. Yeah. 
what part of the world am I am I catching you in today? Apparently, you're in Hawaii or Cayman Islands or something. I'm in Hawaii. Oh, uh, North Shore. I am, yeah, but it's not what you would imagine. It's been rainy and very windy and small surf for about five weeks now, maybe more, maybe six weeks. It's been really, really? bad, uh, really, really bad season here for us surf wise. But yet the eddy was nuts, right? Yeah, ever since the eddy, we've had small swells. So that we had the eddy Icao in mid late January, and then it it felt like that storm took all the energy out of uh, out of the Pacific and. We've had a high pressure over us for about six weeks now, and it's it just made crazy wind and small swell. So the Eddie Eichau, for those of you who don't know, is is probably, I mean, there's so many great events in the world, and we'll talk about them, but that one is is so fascinating because it only gets called when it's a triple X swell, right? Yeah, it, it on average over the, I think the first one was in maybe around 1990 or 1988, somewhere around there. I think the first one was actually held at Sunset Beach in honor of Eddie, but then they realized, uh, they came up with the idea that it was going to be just on the biggest day and, and best days at Waimea, where Eddie was a lifeguard and saved countless lives. And for people who don't know, Eddie disappeared in the Pacific Ocean when he was sailing from Oahu to Tahiti on the Hokulea, and um, it capsized in big choppy seas um, about 10, 12 miles south of uh, Oahu. And they were drifting out of the uh, shipping lanes, and they were concerned that they wouldn't be found. And, you know, we didn't have phones and all that stuff back then. So um, I guess a, a mayday went out, but they weren't sure whether they were going to be found. And um, Eddie decided to paddle to uh, back to Oahu on a surfboard that he had brought. And the captain made him uh, put a light vest on, which Eddie was opposed to. He put it on and paddled off, and as he was paddling off, he took it off, and it floated back by the boat. Is the story? Uh, but Eddie was never found. His brother Solomon was on a on a, a search chopper uh, with a number of other people. I believe Ben Ipa, who was also uh, a legend in the surf world, was also on that chopper. But they were look a bunch of plane um, helicopters looking, and they spotted his surfboard, and they dropped down and saw the surfboard, but they weren't within uh, direct range of radio signals, so they went up to a thousand or a couple thousand feet to make a call and they went back down they couldn't find a surfboard so eddie was lost at sea the crew was um saved uh later that day i believe and everyone else lived so it was a a, a sad but sort of uh fitting end to a waterman that um lived his life trying to save people and that you see uh the, the iconic bumper stickers and t-shirts that say eddie would go yeah which is probably the the one of the greatest phrases so the, in sports. The, the term Eddie would go was taken from I believe from Mark Fu, who passed away at Mavericks. Um, I thought it was from Marvin Foster, but I think it was from Mark Fu actually. And um, they were asking one day uh, when they were first going to run the Eddie Ike out. Why may I? It was really big and and it was it was a giant day, maybe almost too big and messy for it. And they were asking different competitors, "What do you think?" And he said, uh, "I'll go. Eddie would go." You know, and and so it's always been this kind of kind of call sign for everyone. Um, if you're doubting yourself in big waves and you need a little bit of extra something, you just think Eddie would go, and uh, you're doing it for him and for you know everyone who loves big waves and and big ocean. Does everyone wear inflatable vests now in in big waves? Is that pretty much accepted now? Yeah, pretty much everybody does. It's it's actually rare now that somebody doesn't have one on a big surf. 
so the inflatables for other for people who aren't aware of our inflatable vests, it's um, Shane Doran, who's a best friend of mine. We grew up surfing together since we were about twelve years old. Uh, widely regarded as probably the best big wave surfer ever at this point, at least paddling big waves. And um, Shane was surfing Mavericks one day in about 2013, and he had a wipeout, a really, really bad wipeout. And he was under for two or three waves, almost, I think, about a minute underwater and was starting to black out, and he just popped up. But um, he's got a family, wife and two kids, and, and uh, he, he, likes his, he loves his life. So he's, like, just started thinking there's got to be some better way than just doing it, you know, just trying to build our cardio and strength up. And... He came up with the idea and started investigating different bladders um, that you could um, that you could put air into and, and testing them out underwater. And he eventually came up with these pull tabs on an inflatable suit um, using CO2 cartridges that have compressed air, about 25 or 35 grams of air um, that are, that's compressed. And, and it's basically more than you could ever put in your lungs in one breath. And uh, that air will take you to the surface much quicker than you can swim. So you don't want to rely on that. But, I mean, you want to go out and big surf thinking you don't need it and you're capable physically. But once in a while, you got to pull that thing and just make sure you keep yourself safe. Have you ever had to pull yours? I've pulled mine a couple of times. Is it just, does it just, is it like um, when you're scuba diving and you inflate your, 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 your BC? Your BC and you yeah. Just, is that what it, it feels like? Yeah, exactly. Um it just immediately start rising and it, it happens immediately. And that thing just puffs up about this big to where you're, you feel like you're kind of in a neck brace almost. They, they're being built to where that inflation's in the front. So if you, if you do pass out, you'll be face up when you hit the surface. It's a, it's an amazing invention. It's already saved a bunch of lives, uh, countless lives. It's also directly responsible for almost every giant wave that's surfed in the world at this point because we, we've been able to push this boundary that's way past what just paddling was and um, it, in, a, in a way that you have a, a backup, a safety. Not too different. They, do, they have a similar thing in the snow where you, you have a, a, a vest. And um, the boundary of, the big, of big waves and toe-in, was that just a function of at a certain height, there's so much water going up the face that you physically can't paddle down it? Is that what really what it is? It's more of the speed. It's really the logistics of, a, of an open ocean swell. So Mark Fu, I mentioned before, he, he used to talk about the unridden realm, and that was a wave over a certain size that they just didn't think it could catch because of the sheer speed and mass or whatever of the wave. But we found a whole bunch of new waves in the past 30 years, big giant waves that you can surf and some you need a jet ski, some you can paddle. The, the, the physics and speed and, and what goes into each of those different locations is um, pretty unique to each one. I mean, a lot of people have seen Nazare, which, I mean, guys are regularly catching 70-foot-plus waves there almost every swell in the wintertime. And not to sidetrack too much, but the, the mechanics of Nazare is that there's a deep underwater canyon thousands of feet deep on one side of the beach. Just there's a cliff with a point and a lighthouse that goes out. And um, that cliff drops straight off hundreds of feet into the ocean on one side. And the other side is the beach where you're surfing, which is sand, which it's not even reef, it's just sand. But on the on the uh, the south side of that is a, a sheer cliff underwater that's thousands of feet deep off the edge of it. So the swells 
swells in the ocean, if you can imagine, like the east coast of uh, the U.S. is really shallow off the coast. So the swells drag and they get small and they get slow. And that's basically what happens when a, when a wave hits a reef or a bottom, it feels the bottom, it starts to drag that energy slower and push it up in the air. So instead of the energy just moving forward, it's starting to get pushed up and that's slowing the energy in a wave. And um, uh, what happens at Nazare is this, the swells, the open ocean swells kind of go out into the deep water. And then when they hit the beach on the north side, they kind of slow down. And the ones that are coming around the south through that canyon, they get, they get pulled back on to the bot, they feel the bottom and they bend the swell and that swell will meet the next wave and basically you get double size waves. So if the swell is say 20 feet, that place will be 40 feet. It really is just physics. It's just two waves coming together and doubling their size. What's the one that's off, sort of off Santa Barbara that you have to take the boat out to that is only recently discovered? I don't know that you could say it's off Santa Barbara. You could just say it's off California because it's 105 miles from the coast. Yeah. It's actually closest to Dana Point, and um, oh, is it? it's a it's about sixty miles or fifty miles out past San Clemente Island, which is another uh, what's that like eighty miles past um, Catalina, and it's right. It's a reef that was discovered when a I believe it was a a Navy ship ran aground on it decades ago, and um, caused tens of millions of dollars of damage to the ship. But fishermen have known about it for a long time, and. If you look at the California coast, you see all those mountains, it's an underwater mountain that just doesn't yeah. quite reach the surface. And so I mean, the un it's hard to picture the underwater landscape in the ocean, but it really looks like whatever the land looks like where you're at. So in California, you might be hundreds of feet from the water, above the water, right on the ocean, but the same thing's going on underneath. So you got these big, huge valleys and drop offs, and you have mountains under there that are essentially sticking up. and the peak of Cortez would be essentially like a, a the, the tip top of a, a summit. It just it hasn't hit yeah. the surface. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD, schedule your free consultation, and tell them you heard about it here on Literally with Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky. Same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What is your favorite break in California? Well, I live... In, and you can't uh, say trestles because you've dominated uh, trestles so much. You, that, you, you don't get to it's say trestles. that. It's trestles. Yeah, exactly. My girlfriend is from San Clemente. Uh, when we're in California, we stay there. And um, I pretty much only surf trestles. I only surf lowers in, in California for the most part. And uh, occasionally I get up to surf Santa Barbara and I'll surf a few of the points up there, which I like. I lived in Santa Barbara for, for years. Uh, around the time I met you, actually, I was living up there yeah. for a few years. But... Um, and I, and I love Santa Barbara. I, I think it's one of the great places in the world to live. It would be maybe the greatest if there weren't Channel Islands out in the way blocking the surf. I know, man. It's it's very rare that we get it. In fact, you realize I'm going to your wave park tonight. I heard something like that. Yeah, I, I heard you were going this week or soon. Yeah, I'm leaving. Well, actually, no, I'm leaving Friday night. Sorry, I forgot what day it was. But just a sidebar, Kelly. Your surf ranch is a man-made wave that is billed as the most perfect wave in the world. And um, it's invite only. Um, there's amazing food. There's surf instructors. There's jacuzzis and massages and video breakdowns of your surfing. And you get into the pool and you get multiple waves over the course of multiple hours, and you just work on your surfing on the world's greatest wave. But I got my very first barrel ever there. And the thing about like, people, well, can you surf barrel? What's your barrel? Like, well, first of all, you have to have a wave that actually barrels. That's for yeah. openers. Yeah. And that's super hard to find around where I live with any consistency. Yeah. Um, and you guys have the greatest photographers and drones taking your pictures, and then you go in, and the the uh, uh, the coaches critique your form. And I have we're actually on, we're my, actually implementing a new video system too um, that that tracks each wave uh, from on the foil. So that'll be fun. Really? Yeah. So you'll be able to see it. So it'll look like you're not really moving. You're just like you're in relation to the camera. You're not really moving. And it's super top secret. I think the 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 way you design the wave is. I know you guys really, really, really protect it. How how much time and money and effort went into designing the perfect man made wave? Well, there's only so much secret you can have in the world when you have patents. Um, so you can go look up the patents. But um, we were, I would say, we were only secret in the infancy stage because my partner Jeff and I. We went and found these properties, and Jeff was a pro water skier in the 80s, and pro water skiing has basically gone belly up um, in the in recent decades. So he knew of these properties that were basically defunct and um, inoperative, so he went and found one, and um, that was this property in Lemoore, and it was so far from the ocean. Two good things about that is... Um, no surfers were kind of peering in, wondering what we're doing, asking questions, because we were just trying to focus on the build, and we wanted to keep it secret in case it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Just put some sand over that thing, and let's yeah. go home. 
Yeah, um, exactly. And the property costs are much less uh, up in that area. So we were able to get an affordable property that had the water and power and, uh, and the permitting. Permitting is a big part of it, is um, getting a permit for that type of use. We originally were looking at a property in Bakersfield that was a fish pond. And so <laughs> oh my God. very very few people um, either own one of these shirts or stickers or know the story, but originally Surf Ranch was called Fish Pond. And that's what we actually called it before we named it Surf Ranch. So um, only people in the early know, know Fish Pond. And um, the, the permit was so that we actually could be permitted uh, with that original one in Bakersfield if we just had a single fish in the in the water. <laughs> so, I've, well, I've a, surfed with dolphins. I've I've had dolphins in my wave. It would be fun to have like a guppy. Yeah. So there was a little we were, we were skewing the rule there a minute if we if we had built that one, but uh that's not the way it was at uh Lemoore. But that was the original idea. We were like, how do we do this? What do, where do we get these permits? But um being having been already a, a sport complex, I guess you would call it, because it was a ski lake. Um, it already had the permitting available. Well, I went um, my first time last summer, and it was great. It was a, literally it was a hundred and twelve degrees. Yep, and the water was perfect. I'm going now in the middle middle of the winter in the coldest snap. How cold is it going to be? Is, am I going to regret it, or is it, am I going to be okay? <laughs> it's so hot in the summer. I want to put a sign up that says "Welcome to Florida." Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be freezing. I, but you know, I generally, I almost every year go second week of February for my birthday. Really? Um, be, yeah. Because I play the Pebble beach golf tournament most years. And then I, yep. I literally drive straight there right after it's always right around my birthday. So I book a day right around my birthday every year. I didn't do it this year cause I was competing here in Hawaii and, um, yeah, it just wasn't in the wheelhouse for me, but, uh, yeah, the water's going to be really cold. It's basically, if you look at the mean temperature between high and low for the past week, it's going to be somewhere in between that water temperature wise. Um, and you know, it's not like an ocean. It doesn't stay temperate at one, at one, uh, one temperature, one number. It really, it'll change overnight. If there's a big 30, 40, even 50 uh, degree water, um, air temperature change from night to day, which you can get in the central Valley, you know, it might be. Maybe it'll be 50 degrees at night and 80 degrees in the day. Well, the water's going to be somewhere probably in the mid-60s, but it might be almost 60 in the morning and almost 70 in the afternoon. But it'll, it'll fluctuate. I'll, that, like that. I'll be thrilled if it's that. 55 okay. is anything below 55 degrees, to me, is just too damn cold. Yeah, you just need – we got we got the rubber there. We got the neoprene and the wetsuits, so it'll be fine. I, I put on, I just put on gloves, a hood, booties, the whole thing. I just go, I'd rather be too warm than not warm enough. For sure. You know, I started stand up paddling mostly. That's, yeah. uh, um, and really that's what I do unless I'm going to your surf ranch. So, and, so it's funny. I'll go from not surfing at all, like not even a little bit to being on that wave. And yeah. it's a huge learning curve for me the good thing about it from the, the difference from other pools is the wave is so long right so yeah once you're up you got a 45 50 second ride whereas a lot of the other waves um they they offer things we don't so like you might get a, a better air section like for for young guys who want to be doing big airs and stuff other pools are preferable because you can 
you get a different launch angle and and it, it's built strictly for that whereas i built our wave to be like super bank um or Rincon, and that yeah. was the, the idea was to get this perfect wave that peels forever you know like like watching bruce's beauties and endless summer yeah, yeah I, I, Rincon is Rincon is obviously right in santa barbara I never surf it. It's too busy. I don't like crowds at all. It must be amazing for you to pull into any lineup and people realize it's you. It's like they part like the Red Sea, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. It's funny. People assume that as if we're like, um, you know, as if we're golfers pulling up at Augusta to play the Masters. It's not really how it works, you know. Um, everyone's a member at Rincon. And, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. You know. In some ways, yes. You're, in some ways, you're correct. Like, there are people who make more room for me, but at, uh, you're you're exactly off in other ways because there's other people who just like, oh, I'm going to test this guy. You know, it's just it's just the yeah. nature of people. It's it's the way it is. Do people drop in on you? Sometimes, but I mean that's not the norm. <laughs> but I mean, look, we're all most surf lineups know the rules, and we all kind of get in line and do our thing, and you know, wait your turn as best you can, and. Not everyone does that. Not all of us do that. I'll include myself in that. I don't always wait my turn, but um, yep. it, 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 there should be a, a psychological study on surf lineups and the, the headspace that goes into catching waves and being a part of that. So when I, I moved to California from Ohio, I was 13. I loved the ocean. I, the, the first boogie board, literally it said boogie board yep. came out. And I learned to boogie board because I nobody would let me surf. The the Point Doom, Little Doom, what was their name? The the Point Doom Bombers. They were yeah, bombers. really super gnarly, really gnarly, <laughs> loked out, and they would not let me come out. They wouldn't. They, they, there's there's no way like a thirteen thirteen year old kid who didn't know how to surf was going to be let out there. In fact, they'd beat the shit out of you if you tried. So I. Didn't learn to surf until I was 40 years old and paddled out for the first time at Little Doom when I was 41 years old. Now they call me the Honey Badger. That's my nickname there because the Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger drops in on fucking everybody there now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm making up for for lost okay. time. Did you know Danny Motor? Julia, of course. Julia's husband. Yeah. yeah. So, so Danny, Danny tells me because Danny and Julia bought a house right up there, right? Built yeah, a house, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. and he goes, "Man, this is crazy." He goes, "When I was a kid, I had to sneak in here, and they didn't even want me surfing here. And now I like live on the point, and it's a uh, it's a different time, for absolutely for sure. You know, back then there was localism was alive and well, and oh, um, cameras and none of that stuff worried anyone. There was no digital era to, to expose people for kicking you out of the water, or kicking you know, out of the water, grommet abuse, yeah." grommet abuse now but it's like it just blows my mind now you'll go out and it's like every sort of like mommy who's just dropped her kid off from school getting pushed in a foam top by a surf instructor it's just a zoo it's yeah it's so different than what i grew it's, up it, with it's a it's a funny thing right because like like a, a a topic in the world now is inclusion right of, of all people in all things yeah and and in surfing um it's great because there's such a walk of life out there in the water you know everyone from young to old and and every ethnicity is surfing and um every job role or whatever you know there's just so many people but i think once you start to fall in love with surfing and if you if you had a lineage back to surfing before the crowds were 
were big, you would have a strong opinion about the crowd that we have now. Because there's, there's not a real um, uh, order in, in a lot of lineups. You know, there's just people kind of just inadvertently going everywhere, taking whatever wave, not waiting their turn. And the most obvious place you might see it is like somewhere like Malibu. But oh. Malibu's, but Malibu's been crowded since the 50s. So that's nothing new. But all the crowds that are expanding out to all the other smaller locations now. But like you said, Point Doom back in the day was like a secret spot. And you had to kind of walk in, sneak in to get there or whatever. And um, I remember even the late 90s when I first started surfing around Point Doom, um, it was still, still had that feel about it, you know? But um, there is just something special to have something to yourself. You know, if you, if you were to go on a hike and you were going to go way out in the mountains somewhere to some special spot with a waterfall and you knew no one had been there for five years and, oh, we're going to go to this special place and you show up and there's a party of 50 people, how would you feel? Oh, and listen, I know people, like yeah. when, uh, the first time I went to, to Indonesia to surf, you're on the plane, it takes forever, you got the jet lag, you can't believe it, and you go out <laughs> and there's, there could be 70 people on a peak. Oh, at Uluwatu, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you like, get to Uluwatu. I, like, I, was, I was there last year and I was there during COVID in 2020. Here's the thing, you, it, like since you've been there, you would understand to get from Chenggu to Uluwatu is two and a half hours because of traffic. The thing was during COVID, the traffic wasn't bad. So I, you could get there and that would be less than an hour on a motorbike or whatever, as it should be. If the roads were well built, you know, whatever, the, the crowds are crazy on those roads. But during COVID, everyone wasn't working. It was really sad. I mean, you'd gone on Cuda and for two blocks, you wouldn't see a person, not one person, maybe a dog. There was no one. All the businesses were closed even coffee shops or whatever there was just and and just so people understand kuda kuda beach is about as densely crowded of a shopping area as you'll ever find anywhere in the world and um everything was closed down so there weren't people on the roads but in the water it was crowded i mean i'd go to i was staying around uluwatu and there were days regularly 50 to 70 people out at ulu and everyone's going god how empty is it, it must be amazing over there and i'm like you wish like I, I mean, yeah. I, I I went to Karamas a couple mornings, and at daybreak there was fifty people out. So, yeah, the, for our two favorite sports, both you and I share a love of golf and surfing, and the explosion in both both uh, yeah. because of uh, COVID is huge. Every you know, which yeah. is great. People have discovered golf and have discovered surfing. Maybe come back to it, who put it on the shelf, but it's markedly, markedly, markedly different in terms of crowds now. I think Australia, they were saying it went up. Just in one year, surfing went up population by like 30% in a year. And um, I was regularly trying to go play golf courses that there's a couple par three courses and little short executive courses around this area that I used to live. I used to be able to walk up any time of day, any day of the week and just go out and, and play. And I'd show up and there'd be five groups on the tee waiting. And it was just Same. like, well, everyone plays golf now. And, Same. You, and you'd have to, you, if you called, they're like, we have no, no tee times today. So you just have to show up and see if you can jump in a group. But- I mean, golf's fun, so I understand it. Um, and surfing's better. So you're you you have eleven time world champion. So everybody out there, think about this. I think, and I'm not. I was going to say this in the intro when you weren't on, uh, but since you're here, I'm going to say it anyway. I think if you look at the facts, you're the greatest athlete in history, non-team sport athlete in history. You have 11, 11 world titles 
at every age, youngest and oldest who's ever been. And it, it's it's funny because I go, well, I was gonna, I was like, I gotta look back at all those Sports Illustrated covers, and you realize we love surfing, but a guy, an eleven-time champion like you, I don't, I don't think you've been no. on the cover of Sports Illustrated. No, I haven't been, but I understand it. I mean, that's not a surf-specific magazine. It, it, surfing is at best an afterthought in Sports Illustrated, which is fine. They they've actually um, done. I've had, I think I had an eight-page article in a swimsuit issue one year, and uh, I've been in. Yeah, and the swimsuit the issue. Swimsuit issue. Well, that's how I met Walter Yost, who became a lifelong friend of mine. He he photographed it, but Walter had taken photographs, I think, at every Super Bowl for forty or fifty years, something like that. And he had he he did Jordan's rare air book. He had endless number of Sports Illustrated covers. But um, I mean, their their money in advertising is not coming from the surf world, so it's understandable. It's not a sport that they're typically covering, which is totally fine. I say, well, I, I, you're very nice to say that. I say <laughs> boo to Sports Illustrated. Um, but I will tell you, I'd rather be in the bathing suit issue than be on the cover any day of the week. So it sounds like you actually win to me. I My favorite photo I've seen of you, and I've seen a lot of them, is maybe Annie Leibovitz photographed you surfing a door. Oh, that was Walter Yost. That was him. We, it's a funny story. We we. It's a great story. Tell that story. There's a saying in surfing that you know he, he surfs so good he can surf a door. It's trying to surf a door is a completely different story. How do I tell this story? So when Jack Johnson was in uh, college at UCSB, he was a film major. And Jack, I used to stay at Jack's, I literally would rent Jack's room while he was away at college in the wintertime and stay with his parents. And um, Jack was home for Christmas and he said, I have this idea for my film class. He goes, I want to I wanna make a film of you surfing on a door in a, wet, in a suit, an actual suit, like you're going to work. But then the you know the funny thing is the surfing the door part to to show you have skills or whatever, and um so Jack made this little five minute movie on me and um and during it he saw some ants on the beach and he started filming the ants up close and and just following this ant over the footsteps and stuff. He put the film together and I don't remember what music he put to it. He might have written a little something for it, but he said that when he showed it in class, everyone thought there was a subliminal message in the ants. And he, he, he kind of kept them thinking like there's, oh, well, I can't really tell you kind of, I don't know. That's kind of how I remember Jack telling me it. Fast forward to, to, uh, Walter, that was in 2008, I think, or 2010. And he said, same thing. He goes, I want to get a picture of you at work. I want you in a suit. I want you riding a door. Cause people say you can't surf on a door. Um, but you might be able to. And he got, when got this hollow door at Home Depot that weighed like 10 pounds, five pounds, like thin, thin sheets, but it's hollow. So as soon as I got that thing in the water, it just filled up with water and it weighed about a hundred pounds. And, um, the whole inside was, just, it was like a, um, like a, con- like a container for oh, water. Jesus. And so I tried to catch a couple waves and we went and yeah. surfed, uh, just North of Santa Barbara, just trying to find a little place. So we, I think we went up to El Cap and it, the waves are about maybe knee high on the biggest waves, like not breaking. So I was kind of riding in on the rocks and, um, the, the thing I remember most about that day, though, is driving back. Walter's following me. I said, "Oh, let's." We would always go and get sushi, so I said, "Let's go to, um, let's go to the sushi place on on State Street." And uh, he's following me, and this 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 cop comes off. I, we're by UCSB, and the the two highways come together right there. And this cop flies onto the highway past me, going about ninety miles an hour from the other one, and merges into ours. 
And I was thinking, I wonder why that cop didn't have his lights on. He's going so fast. He must be on a call. But he's just, I got, I think he realized it and he slowed down and eventually I caught up to him and you know, when you see a cop, you're like, oh, what's the speed limit? What's the speed limit? So I look over, I see, oh, it's 65 <laughs> yeah. miles an hour. I look at mine, I'm going about 60, 59, 60, 61, somewhere in there. But I used to have this, and this isn't my style. I used to have this big giant jacked up truck with dark tinted windows. It was a King Cab Tundra with a, 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 a thing over the back. Anyways, I, I end up passing the, the officer and Walter's right behind me, like right on my tail. And as I go past the, the cop, I look over at him and he looks at me. He instantly puts his brakes on, pulls behind me and pulls me over. And I'm thinking, oh God, I wonder what it's for. Oh Jesus. And I'm thinking it, he must not like the tint. And uh, the guy pulls me over and he goes, you know why I pulled you over? I said, no, I, I don't know. He goes, I got you going 75 and a 65. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I go, I, I, I was like equally like laughing and angry. And so I, but I kind of went angry on him. I'm like, mm. that's, it, it's impossible. I said, I was going, I go, I think I was going 61. I go, I was, I go, why would I pass an officer on the road, look at him and be speeding by 10 miles an hour? I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. You got to show me something. The guy goes, no, I got you going 75. And, he, and then he goes, um, and how about your tin? Have you had it checked? And I go, yeah, I have had it checked. And he goes, what did you, what did, what did they say? And I said, well, it's too dark and I, I haven't had it fixed. <laughs> and, uh, he goes, why didn't you get it fixed? And I said, well, I travel a lot and I don't have the time. And um, he goes, well, I'm going to give you a ticket for both. And, and I said, well, I'll see you in court. And I tried to go to court with him and um, they, they set a court date that was when I was, I was traveling more than not. And I just couldn't get my court date to go talk about it. But um, that was what I remember about my day surfing in, on a door. Why, well, you got, why didn't you say, I, I travel a lot because I'm an 11-time world champion MFR, <laughs> and then maybe he's a surfer, and then maybe he lets you go? Because I, I think at that time I was only about eight-time champ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, eight-time. No, I, I think, forget I that. I think that would be very douchey of me to say. That's probably why I didn't. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who switch to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin softening body wash. 
in scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone, and an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com slash Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. Let me ask you this. So we had we had surfing in the last Summer Olympics, or yep, no? Yeah, they're in the, the next COVID Olympics. No, we had it in Japan. By the way, who knew Japan had surf? You must have. There's obviously. good surf in Japan. There's actually amazing surf in Japan at the not all the time, but at the right time of year, there's amazing surf. Um, all those all those super typhoons you hear about. Right? Good waves. Is there ever a chance that they would use the wave pool as so as an Olympic event? So all the waves are. How would you feel about that? By the way having a competition where every wave is the same and so surfers are judged under the same conditions. I actually think the Olympics is probably the perfect place for that because it's yeah. so controlled. It's like having a kayak, uh, water, like a whitewater That's rapids, right. right? And they control the flow so then it's exactly the amount of gallons per minute or whatever that flows over the, over the, down the rapids. Um, it, and it would be really understandable for people who don't surf to see why this is better than that because they're on the same exact stage. I actually think the Olympics is the perfect place for it. Surfers don't love, generally love watching the events, like the hardcore sort of grassroots fans don't love it as much because they feel like, I guess the ocean in a way sort of picks who it wants to win. I don't know. We have this sort of, mm -hmm. I guess, spiritual way of looking at it, but when a person reads the ocean right, it, it was like they were get, almost like they got picked that day. And so a lot of a lot of winning contests is picking the right waves at the right time, um, something that stands out the, either the best ways or something that stands out from the other person. And you can't really do that in a wave pool. But being such a controlled environment and potentially going to countries that don't have surfing or don't have an ocean, um, France is is a France is a tough one that time of year, that's the middle of summer. They have great surf and they have giant surf in France, but that time of year, they can get flat spells for a month without a wave. So we're going to Tahiti because Tahiti is a French, um, a French island. So we, we are going to go to Chopu for the Olympics. What? Wait a minute. I had, yeah. How did I not know this? Well, that's you know insane. It now. 24 Olympics uh, in, in, at Chopu. So you should probably go. Uh, I've never been to Chopu. I, the, the big, Huge swell this year. I was in Bora Bora. Mm. Just happened to be there. Oh wow! And I was like, 
I was like, I gotta, I should make the trip. I had to get back, but I, but it was pumping in Bora Bora. I couldn't even imagine what show yeah. it was like. Is that what what wave scares you the most? Like, what wave do you not want to wipe out on? Pipe or Chopu? I always say they're there's both no, bad, right? There's no there's nowhere to hide at Chopu. I can hide in the line of it pipeline. I, there's a lot of exits. There's a lot of places to get safe. Um, whereas at Chopu, you're you're either safe or you're in a bad place. There's kind of no in between. And the reason for that is pipeline breaks and then it washes into shallowish water. Chopu breaks and goes on a dry reef. So when you get caught, you're getting caught and getting caught and you're going to probably hit the reef. You're probably going to get cut. The reef's a lot sharper there than it is at pipeline. The, the mechanics of all that water coming out of really deep water, pipeline goes, pipeline's sort of deep and goes pretty shallow. Chopu's very deep and goes very shallow. And so each wave is almost like a mini tsunami, like a mini um, tidal change, you know, so it doesn't have ta- time to get really tall. It has time to, all that energy goes up and out. It doesn't go up. It doesn't go up like this goes forward and out. It's more of like a surge than it is a wave a lot of times, especially if you have a big interval, which bigger, big interval means a long period of time between each wave. So some more typical, um, some, uh, like a, a swell in, at, in Santa Barbara, a typical swell would be somewhere between 10 and 15 seconds, 10 and 12 seconds, something like that. But a big swell would be like 14 to 20 seconds. Um, and so those swells, when you get a swell, it has a lot of energy. It has a long period between waves. And each of those waves has a lot more energy and a lot more speed than a smaller swell. But when you get those big intervals, the, the, the swells are moving so quickly, they don't have time to get tall. They don't have time to slow down and grow. They just move themselves right over the reef. And it, it is like every wave is almost like a tidal surge, like a mini little tsunami. That's uh, there's the great YouTube um, clip running around there from this year of the, the tourist boat almost eating shit the the bad chopo you mean yeah yeah so those are like the photographer boats you might have an odd tourist or somebody who's just coming along for the ride there was a famous one years ago about 20 years ago one photographer friend of ours <laughs> was on the boat with his girlfriend and one driver and this th- their engine died or something and he jumped off and left her on the boat <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not that's, together that's not- they're not still together they're- Rob. They didn't make it? No, they didn't make it. <laughs> um, they, but she, the, about... the boat didn't exactly go over like this. It went, almost made it over and then got sucked and pulled back. And as it went, it kind of came over the back of the wave. A friend of mine, a friend of mine from Hawaii here, he actually won the Eddie Aikau in 99, um, Noah Johnson. He was caught inside by that wave. And the boat was right there coming over on his head. And he said underwater, the boat hit him in the foot. He wasn't riding Ugh. the wave. He was just caught inside, and and he said underwater he got hit in the foot by the boat. So he like almost got killed. I did. Um, I had never done the proper Hawaiian paddling in the canoes on on big waves. Uh, about seven years ago on Kona, they had this massive storm, and my friend got me out with all with with the locals. I just sat there and held on for dear life. But that you think of eating it on an outrigger. And that's my fear is having that thing come over your head. That, yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah, but they know what they're doing. No, but you just hold on. Yes. Well, you you, you want to stay with it at the same speed and 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 velocity as the boat. You don't jump away from it and then it hits you. So the the idea is to hug that thing and stay close to it, and you become a part of that unit. Ugh. By yeah. the way, there are people listening to this interview going, 
Those guys are crazy. Like, I know people who don't want to be have anything to do with the ocean. I don't get it at I all. I do, too. I, I, know, I, I know a lot of people. I meet a lot of people. Who are, I'm scared of sharks. I don't know what's down there. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think, and I had a conversation with Steven Spielberg about it. And he he blames himself. He's super sad, actually. Like, I'm not, jo- I'm not, I'm not this hey, is not a comedy Hey, he ruined my bit. childhood. You could tell him that. He knows it already. Yeah. I used to he, be so he, scared of sharks, I wouldn't go in the deep end of a pool. I was so freaked out by Jaws when it came out, and um, but God, what a great film! Yeah, he. It's <laughs> by the way, one, probably one of the greatest movies of all time. But he's legitimately, legitimately super sad about the long legacy of Jaws, in terms of people don't want to go in the ocean and people think sharks are are bad and and all of that stuff because. But you know, um, yeah, Santa Barbara's the, got uh, great whites all over it now. Oh yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But Jaws is one of the most iconic films that will ever exist. Ever. I mean, it's literally like E.T. or... He made that too? <laughs> he made that too. You, oh, listen, you made an album, I didn't realize that, with uh, surfing legend Rob Machado and Peter King. Called the Sur- yeah. It was called The Surfers, right? And you made an album in like 1998? Is that right? We were called The Surfers, obviously because it was too literal, but um, mm-hmm. because we couldn't think of a name because... PK likes punk music, Rob likes Jimi Hendrix, and I like sort of all sorts of stuff from, from country to rap to pop to, I like sort of everything. But we didn't really have like a, a sort of mantra that worked for all of us. Eventually what happened was in the studio, they kept just going, oh, the surfers are coming in tonight. So it just became like this, oh, the surfers, because none of us go, we're gonna name this. Um, like, yeah, it's good. Projects w- will name themselves. Yeah, Some so, projects <laughs> will name themselves, and that's what you want. Yeah, I guess. Every name, I mean, think of how silly the Beatles sounded when they said the Beatles, right? I mean, it, that's right. when somebody first heard the Beatles, they were like, kind of goofy thing. So, But I was I was really like, I don't want to be called the surfers. I, I actually wanted to be called Thought Space, because that was oh, like yeah. how I thought about music. Um, it was just my my thinking coming out. But um, but then Rob- well, My favorite- my favorite. My favorite is the title of the um, the album, Songs from the Pipe. My my bet is, was it Pipeline Pipe or the pipe you guys were smoking out of? Well, it, it was kind of like people mistook it as a double meaning, right? But like <laughs> I the, said. The, the irony is I don't I don't smoke and I never smoked. So, but now, Wait, you're also a, you're the you're the world's greatest surfer and never sm- and don't smoke. What the heck? Have you smoke. heard Jeff Spicoli, the <laughs> yeah, world's yeah. second greatest <laughs> surfer? I've, I ran into Sean Penn one night in in, in uh, L.A. when I was like, I would have been like 22 years old. And um, he, he uh, and other people owned this restaurant. And I ended up going to this restaurant and kind of going to this party. And, and he was there and I got to meet him. I was really drunk. And we sat across the table from each other talking about surfing and specifically about Fast Times at Ridgemont High because it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, Willy Wonka and Fast Times are my two all-time favorite films. But Good I, choices. I, I told Sean, I said, listen, um, I don't know what you think about it. I don't know your thoughts on that movie. I go, that's the greatest film that was ever made. And I think you were the greatest character in the movie. So you're the greatest character in the greatest movie that was ever made, was my thought. I, I um, would support that. And I only recently did Sean do an interview where he came clean on what I had always suspected, that Spicoli was based on a surfer. This one particular dude. He told that me. We all grew up with. Yeah. Bud Donatoni. The guy who lived in the colony. 
Yep. And because uh, he would come into school with a bathing suit and a and a bagel tucked into the top of his bathing suit. Like I literally saw him do that. And of course, that's that great scene where Spicoli walks into the classroom with a bagel stuffed down his pants. So good. So good. How, how great is it when he's being interviewed by Stu Nahan in his dream sequence after winning the surf contest? Uh, That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. right? <laughs> you could never make it today. You could oh, never it is make a cool that. Buzz, it's tasty waves. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's just incredible. Where'd you get that jacket? Yeah. Out, the network got it for me. So You hear that? So, it's my skull. My skull. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, too good. I think you and I should, should uh, do the uh, 50th anniversary DVD just. Uh, and talk about oh so we gotta talk good. about golf really quick. I, um, so how many times have you played in the AT and T Pro Am? I actually don't know. Probably a dozen or so. A dozen. Okay. So I need to do it right. Like I I oh yeah. I, I got a car. I got, it's like a no brainer. I've got to finally commit and just go do it for sure. Right. You'd love your golf. Love it. Okay. The the, the two tournaments you need to play are the AT and T Pebble. Well, that's the third one. That's an individual. As an individual, you got to play Tahoe. It's super fun. It's it's a good right. challenge, and um, you know, and and if you can play golf, you could contend there. Um, but it's you know, it's not it's not handicaps, but it's a point accumulation, and it's it's actually a really fun tournament. But the the, the elevation throws me off every time. I can't get my yardages right on my irons. Yeah. Uh, no, the Dunhill, uh, the Dunhill links at St Andrews, um, Carnoustie, <sighs> and Kings Barnes. Mm. And so if you want to play that, I'll just put you on text with the guys who run the thing, but you should play that. That's To me, that's the greatest amateur pro-am experience in golf because you feel very much a part of the tournament. And you do also, you also do it AT&T. It's great. Pebble Beach has been incredible. It's been some of my funnest ever golf experiences. I love the courses. So Kelly, there are so many people I think would love uh, our sport and I think they're intimidated by how to do it, where to do it. I, I want to know your thoughts. My thoughts are always, first of all, learn where the water's warm. That's number one, number one, two, three, and four. Be somewhere <laughs> where the water is warm. Yeah, a close then fifth got, is what, Rob? A close fifth. Uh, yeah. Close fifth would be um, <laughs> y- you want to learn where it's consistent. So you're, you're, getting, you know, you're getting multiple waves in your yeah. lesson. Right, so that's why Waikiki was always great. There's some stuff I think at Putamita, Mexico. I learned there was. Yeah. What what are, what are your thoughts for people who want to pick it up? For people who want to pick it up, I think what you should do is get interested at 13 and start at 40. <laughs> that's me, baby. Yeah, yes, you. <laughs> yep. Um, no, like you said, it's it's being it's access to to surf. It's if you can't deal with the cold water. You got to be somewhere warm, but I mean, wetsuits are pretty good these days and keep you pretty warm. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, the latest craze in health is cold water plunging anyway. So um, the cold water is actually really healthy for you. And with, like, even when you're working out, dip your hands and feet in cold water in between doing this exercise and that exercise. There's a there's all these um, studies on this stuff now uh, to improve your, your strength and uh, muscle mass and testosterone and all sorts of things but look i'm a florida boy you don't need to talk me into a good time in warm water i i like when the water's 85 degrees and i'm super happy about it Um, yeah california drove me nuts as a kid because first off the wetsuits for kids were terrible 
Um, and I just hated getting cold in the middle of summer. I'm, why am I wearing a full suit? This doesn't make sense to me. You're not that far north of Florida. It didn't make sense in my head about the, yep. uh, you know, cold water versus warm water streams. We got the Gulf Stream coming up out of the Gulf. So it's, it's just warming Florida in the coldest days of winter. The water's still, you know, sometimes the water's literally like smoking, like, um, mist coming off it because, uh, the Gulf Stream comes a quarter mile from the beach in West Palm. And the water will be 76 degrees and it can be 30 degrees outside. So you just get this crazy, uh, wow, uh, sort of almost like it looks like the ocean's boiling. But um, yeah, I love warm water. It's just so much more pleasurable to learn. I think as a young kid, though, if it's something you want to do, you just do it. You don't really worry about the cold. It just becomes a part what of it. What if you're an adult? What process. if you're an adult, though? You're like somebody, like the people come up to me, or maybe because it's I'm, they're my age, but the, I feel like there's a whole group of, first of all, we don't want more surfers in the water. I, what I really want to say is don't learn. You'd hate it. Stay away. There was That's a great, really what I- There was a great ad campaign by a company called Gotcha back in the 80s, and yeah. it would it would show the first page, they would, it would be one page and you'd have to turn and see another full page ad, and they'd be on the same side and it would say, um, it, it would show like just some random person who obviously wasn't a surfer, and it would say- um, if you don't surf, don't start and you'd open it <laughs> and, and it would be like, they weren't trying to pander to anyone to get, to get them to buy clothes. And then, um, and then you turn it over and the next page would say, if you surf, never stop. And it would be one of their team riders. But I thought it was such oh, a cool, sick. you know, for surfing it was such a grassroots campaign and gotcha was really like, they were in the eighties, they had the greatest surf team of anyone, but maybe ever. But, um, you know, that was how surfing was. It was very insular. And it wasn't trying to sell to the outside world. It was um, it was really a, a culture to itself at that time. But I mean, there's no holding back the Pandora's box. Surfing's like the funnest thing in the world. So everyone wants to do it, and I understand why. I mean, I've committed it basically every second of my life to it since I was single digits. And um, uh, golf's the only thing that slightly pulls me away sometimes because I like it. But well, I think uh, the same. I, I think there's a reason why so many surfers like golf because you can, you're always chasing the perfect wave the perfect shot and it's it's never going to happen yeah can, they're a balance they're a balance and they're they're um they're they're almost the opposite whereas in the ocean everything's moving on the golf course nothing's moving right it's just it's just pestering you so it's it's almost giving you some balance after surfing i think um and no you you're probably not going to hit your best shot every day you go play golf. I got a friend all the time. He, he's kind of hard on himself and he'll hit something. He goes, oh, it's not my best. And I said, you're going to hit your best one time in your life. That's it. Single, the single time you're going to hit your one best shot ever. And it'll probably go in the hole and you'll be happy. Other than that, you're chasing, you're chasing your, your own levels. You're always trying to chase this level that you have and just be happy where it's at. Have you ever had a hole in one? Um, my hole in one came at Holmby Park. Do you know where that is? I feel like I should know. Is that it's a in, pitch it's in and putt? Beverly Hills? It's a pitch and putt in like Bel Air, Beverly Hills. Yeah, it's a it's a dog park and it costs two dollars to play. Wait a minute. Okay, wait. I'm literally a block and a half from it right now. I'm at Fox Studios. Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna go. It's right. Okay, I'm gonna. Oh, Unreal. Yeah, and and it's right near L.A. Country Club, actually. But it's, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. So you take a you take a wedge and a putter out there, and the longest hole is about a hundred yards, and most of them are about fifty to seventy. And it's two dollars to play. And me and this, me and my two friends I was playing with, we had an ongoing bet. It used to be for years. Anytime you're playing together and you get a hole in one's a thousand bucks from everyone who's in the bet. 
And then they, uh, funny enough, about a month before that, they changed it to $100. I still wanted it to be 1,000, but I was like, how about anything under 100 yards is 100, and anything over 100 yards is 1,000. Anyways, better about. but we, uh, we got on the 18th hole is about a 75-yard shot, and I pulled my wedge left, and it hit the collar and kicked it 90 degrees right and went in the hole, and they had to pay me 100 bucks. That's my only hole in one. A carom hole in one. Yeah, but I, I, I have a double eagle and I have a bunch of hole outs for eagle, but uh, don't have a don't have a longer hole in one than that. Sick. Well, um, I'm psyched to go up to uh, Surf Ranch. I'll say hello to everybody for you. Yeah. I'll send you some footage. I, like, I just started getting comfortable in the barrel when I left last time, so now I'm super psyched to really- I don't even know if you're regular goofy foot. I'm regular. Okay. That's better for Surf Ranch because typically the wind is offshore on the right, as you know. Well, we had zero wind, not a ripple mm. when I was there last time. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. literally the perfect. So, all right, my man. Thank you for, for taking the time. I'm glad we were able to put this together. Yeah, no problem, man. All right. I'm, I'm double inspired now to put on 75 layers of wetsuit to go to his damn surf park. Which is so great. This is going to be so fun. Anyway, I hope you guys had fun. Don't pick up a surfboard, please. There are too many people doing it. Really, we, 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 I love you. I want you to listen to every podcast I ever do. I really, I hope that at this point we've established a bond as an audience. And I think we have, but don't surf. It's too crowded. Anyway, um, next week, a uh, really good podcast on deck. Don't forget to give us a nice review if it uh, occurs to you on Apple because it, it really is... Um, important to the life of the show. All my best to you, and I will see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao, with help from associate producer Sarah Begar, researched by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross and myself at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. A Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.